Broadcasting live from Business Radio X, it's time for Coach the Coach. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Coach the Coach Radio, and I got with me today author, speaker, Paul Smith. Welcome, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Again, I think. It's been a while. Again, I know. You just keep showing up. That must mean you got a new book out. <laughs> yeah, yes, it does. It does. Yeah, the 10 stories great leaders tell. So tell us about it. Uh, how'd this come about? Yeah, so, you know, this is a, a weird one. I actually um, got a, a phone call from a publisher. Not wasn't my publisher at the time with a challenge. And they'd seen all the other books that I've, I've written, um, three previous ones, all on the topic of storytelling, um, lead with a story and parenting with a story and then sell with a story. And across those three books, I think I talked about 70 different types of stories that, that those people, and oftentimes that's all the same person needs to tell. And, and they basically said, Hey, could you focus a bit? <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of stories. Um, you know, what, what are really the most important ones? So they, they challenged me to, to limit that list to just the, you know, the top 10 basically. And so that's, uh, and to write a book that could be read in a single hour. That's the other kind of strange thing about this is this is a very short, you know, accessible book with literally only 10 stories in it and some tips for your, to help you craft your own. Uh, but first I had to sit down and think, well, gosh, out of all those types of stories, what would be the most important 10 stories for any leader to tell? So it, it was a, it was a good challenge, a, a worthy one. And I was, I was glad somebody, uh, forced me to focus a little bit. So now, um, can you, let's go backwards a little bit. And how did you kind of land on this storytelling as a kind of a vehicle for your work? Yeah, you know, that, that probably goes back, uh, eight or nine years. I, I realized that storytelling, was an important skill set for leaders because, you know, just you know, spent, I spent 20 years at Procter and Gamble myself and I had, you know, leaders there that I admired the most and wanted to work for and wanted to be like when I grew up in the company. And, and I, I noticed that those people tended to have a really uh, great ability to tell a compelling story. Yet they didn't teach me that in business school and they didn't teach me that when I joined P&G and they didn't teach me that the few years that I was a consultant for Accenture and, so I, that kind of frustrated me. So I ended up uh, setting out on my own little personal learning journey and interviewing great leaders and great storytellers all over the world, really. And that ended up that, that personal learning journey eventually became the idea from our first book, uh, Lead with a Story. And, and that just kind of led into a whole different career path for me and focusing on that skill set for leaders to, to help them be more effective in their job. Now, do you find it ironic that storytelling in business was kind of a recent development, even though storytelling has been around for, you know, since the beginning of humans interacting. <laughs> yeah, it, it is ironic. I mean, it's the oldest form of communication known to man. You know, we've been telling stories since we've been scribbling pictures on cave walls. But um, I think there was many, many decades where it had kind of fallen out of favor with the professionalization of the, you know, the, a business person, you know, and MBAs. And, and we became a much more analytical uh, uh, profession. And I think it was only about 25 years ago that it began to resurge that, you know what, we've, uh, we, we're plenty analytical now. We probably have lost something and that something is storytelling. So it's, it's on a comeback, but it's certainly not a fad. I mean, it's been two and a half decades now and I don't think it's going away. Now, is there, is there an ability to put some rigor to storytelling to say like, okay, storytelling is better. We have metrics that kind of back, there's an ROI story around storytelling. 
So I, that, that's a, a very fair question, and I've seen a few studies, none of which seemed incredibly rigorous to me, and and that's unfortunate because I, I think it's it's pretty obvious that it works. You know, anybody who's who's worked for a leader who told compelling stories, I can I think can attest to that. And I've got anecdotal evidence from some of my clients who tell me, yeah, I started using the ideas in your book, and you know, my sales are up, or my revenues are up, or my profits are up, or something. Um, but anytime I think somebody tries to do a real rigorous academic study on it, uh, what you'll find is that most companies are changing all kinds of things all the time. And, and to pin down their recent, you know, increase in sales in the third quarter to storytelling, well, you know, it could have been 10 things that they did last quarter that really made that happen. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to claim that it's got more academic rigorous background than it warrants. But I think all of us know instinctively that, uh, when you hear a compelling story, that will convince you of something it, 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 uh, or, or motivate you to do it, that it works. And it works a lot better than having the boss wag their finger at you and tell you, hey, go do this because I said so. Now, uh, in your book, ten, uh, The Ten Stories Great Leaders Tell, you narrowed it down from 70 to 10. How did that come about? Like, How did you kind of curate the list? Yeah, so I, I used four criteria. And the first one was the stories that my clients over the last six or seven years uh, have asked me to help them work on. So I figure that that tells me these are stories that that leaders definitely need because these are the ones I'm being asked to help them on. Secondly, I, once I tell you the list, I think you'll you'll agree that these are areas that all leaders need to exert some influence in an organization because these are important areas for a leader to lead in. Uh, thirdly, I wanted stories that leaders in all different functional disciplines would need to be able to tell. So not just these are just stories that salespeople need to tell or these are just stories the general manager needs to tell, you know, or the HR leader, or IT or finance or whatever. I think all functional leaders will see these stories and go, yeah, I want to be able to tell that. And then the, the last criteria I used was I wanted stories that wouldn't change very often. You know, like the first one is your company founding story. Obviously, that's not going to change, right? You, your company gets founded once and once only. But a lot of stories you tell, you'll only tell once or twice, and then you don't need it anymore. So I wanted to pick stories that that would stand the test of time for for years or even decades. So now, is the book um, kind of like here, like you said, this origin story is an important, the founding story. That's an important story that every leader should be able to tell. Is do you help in the crafting of that or the mechanics of um, articulating that? Or is it just like here, this is a story you should tell. Here's several examples of that story. Uh, no, it's more the first thing you said. It, it's Here's the list. And then there's one chapter for each story. And in each chapter, there's one example and then some uh, tips to help you go find your own story like that and how to craft it the most effectively because none of these stories you would tell the actual story that's in the book. That, that, that's just an example. All of your 10 stories will be different, but you'll have a founding story. You'll have a vision story, but your vision will be different. Um, so the example is just a, an example. Most of what you really need is the tips at the end of each chapter to go find and craft your own. Right. So this is kind of in some ways a workbook for you to kind of develop your own, your top 10 stories that, that the leaders in your company need to tell. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's literally designed to be read in a single hour. I mean, so it's, it's, that's the other kind of different thing about it, uh, than most of my books are, you know, 250, 300 page, really thorough treatments of, of an enormous topic. I've tried to narrow this to, here are the 10 stories you need. Here's one example of each and a few tips to craft your own. So 
um, it, it's really designed to be a, a quick, accessible book. It may take an hour to read, but there's no way it takes an hour to crank out 10 stories. Like how long? Yeah. That's probably getting back to your other books. It probably takes yeah. that, that amount of time. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, a very fair point. You know, you, you, you need to spend a, a good amount of time on each story over weeks and months, I would imagine, to really craft them right. But to get the idea, yeah, that's you sit down in one hour, you can get through that part. Now, when uh, when companies hire you, um, do you, is this some of the work that you do as you go in there and help them craft their stories? Yes. Uh, so I, typically, one of two things I'm doing. One is teaching them how to find and craft leadership or sales and marketing stories themselves. Um, and secondly, is actually helping them work on some particular stories they they need. So part is teaching the process and teaching them the skill set of crafting and, and and delivering stories. Secondly is, okay, there are three stories your company really needs right now. Let me sit down with you and help you develop those three stories, and I will help you write, edit, craft you know, those particular stories. So if a company was considering hiring you, getting this book, kind of reading through these 10 main stories, and then you would help them focus in on a couple of those stories to kind of um, to build out during your time together? Is that the typical exactly. engagement? Yeah. yeah, 10 would be too many to do in a, in a day. But uh, in a typical day with 15 or 20 executives in a room, we would typically bang out three or four uh, stories. Really? So that so it can be that productive in that short period of time? Yeah, it takes about four or five people per group. So if you have 20 people, you know, five, five people each, you could probably get through five stories. And, and during the day, those 20 people are going to learn the process. They're going to learn what, you know, what's the structure of a well-told leadership story. What are the eight questions your story needs to answer? What are a few techniques to create emotional engagement? How do you create a surprise ending? So they'll learn all, all of those techniques. But then during the day, we will apply each of those techniques to the story that each team is working on. And each team in the room will be working on a different story. And then with the goal being that once each of those teams have kind of crafted their story that you they all feel good about, then they can all use each of their stories, the company as a whole. Yes. Right. Yeah. One group might be crafting the, the founding story. One might be crafting the vision story. One might be crafting a, a, a marketing story, et cetera. Right. So now what are the 10 stories or is that a spoiler? You got to yeah. get the book to, <laughs> to get the 10 stories. No, that's a fair question. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to tease your listeners. I'll, I'll tell you what they are. Um, yeah, we, we, probably, we don't have time for me to give you an example of all of them, but maybe, maybe one, but yeah, here's the list. So the, the first four kind of go together because they're about setting direction for the organization. So that's where we came from. That's the founding story. Why we can't stay there. That's a case for change story where we're going. So that's the vision story. And how we're going to get there, that's a, a strategy story. And I think any leader that can tell those four stories, you're much more likely to get the organization to go where you want them to go because you you can clearly and in a compelling way articulate where we came from, where we're going, how we're going to get there. Now, the next four kind of go together as well, but they're, they're more about who we are as an organization. So that's what we believe. That's a corporate values story. Who we serve. So that's a customer story, usually a customer success story or a story about the customer so you can know who they are. Um, what we do for our customers. So that's a classical sales story. And that's more of a customer success story. And then number eight is how we're different from our competitors. So I call that a marketing story because marketing's job is usually differentiating yourself from your competitors. So if you can tell those four stories, 
you can easily articulate who you are, who you serve, what you do for them, and how you're different from your competitors, right? And I think every leader needs to be able to articulate that about their organization, no matter what function they're in. And then the last two kind of go together as well, but they're they're more personal to the, the leader. So that's why I lead the way I do. That, that's a personal leadership philosophy story and why you should want to work here, uh, you the person they're talking to. And that's a recruiting story because, you know, the job of every leader is to bring in talented people and get them to stay and follow their leadership. That's not just the job of HR. So so those are the time I can I came up with using the criteria we talked about earlier. So now in business storytelling, is it different than kind of like fictional storytelling or kind of around the campfire storytelling, or do they have the same components? Yeah, they, they really are largely similar in the technique that what the story. So, uh, you know, around the campfire is usually uh, fictional stories um, and they're typically longer. But many things about the story, those storytelling uh, storytelling in those two sets of circumstances will be the same. You know, you'll you'll there'll be a time, a place, a main character. That main character's got some kind of a goal. There's usually someone or something getting in the way of their goal, a, a villain or bad guy, if you will. And there are events that transpire along the way that resolve themselves nicely in the end. Um, you know, there are other similarities. There's going to be some emotional component. There's often a surprise ending. You know, that there's a, a standard kind of plot development, a narrative arc. I mean, so all of those kind of components of classical, like you said, you know around the campfire, fictional storytelling. You'll see that in leadership stories as well, but they're just different stories that are uh, using those techniques. It's typically about something that actually happened instead of something fictional. It's typically, uh, a story is typically told in two or three minutes instead of 30 minutes or 15 minutes or something like that. And most importantly, a big difference is leadership stories have an important lesson at the end of them. It's not just a story to entertain people or to scare them or something. Uh, you 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 would tell a story like that in order to convince somebody to think or behave differently because that's what leadership is about is getting people to change what they think or feel or do about something. Now, in business storytelling, who's the hero? Is it the company or is it the customer? So it it, it could be either. Uh, it's typically not the company because uh, the, your best stories are not going to be about the company. That that's a case study. The company did this and the company did that and then the company did something else. So it's hard for human beings to develop any kind of an emotional attachment to, you know, an impersonal organization. So leadership stories are typically about people. Ah, the, the, the chief marketing officer did this and Sally from accounting did that and Bob from, uh, from, uh, distribution did this. It's a, it's about things that individual people did. So individual people are typically the hero of of each story and that could be somebody that works at your company or it could be somebody that works at your customer as opposed to the customer the organization is the hero again that's more of a case study uh, but somebody at one of those places is usually going to be the good guy and <laughs> someone or some challenge is going to be the the villain that they're trying to overcome or do battle with now um when you're working through like like walk me through so you're in one of these uh boardrooms with a bunch of leaders what does that look like? What is the kind of the steps on crafting one of these stories? Like, why don't you pick one of them and then work me through like how you would attack that in a, in that kind of setting? Well, so, uh, so I heard a couple of questions in there. What a typical day looks like in, in training is, uh, first of all, everybody has to come in with a story in mind. 
to, to share during the day and to work on because these are these are working sessions. This isn't a, like a full day lecture or anything. It's a workshop. So everybody's got to bring in a story. All the techniques I'm going to teach them, they're going to apply these techniques to their story throughout the day and then share that story at the end of the day and get feedback on it. So uh, all those kind of techniques that we talked about already that I just kind of at least listed, you know, the structure of a story, emotional techniques, surprise, et cetera. Those are modules that we cover during the day. And each time we cover a new module, we stop and we go apply those techniques to the stories that the participants have brought in. Um, but it, but I can certainly walk you through a, um, a story so you can see kind of all those things play out. So, for example, number nine on that list was uh, why I lead the way I do. So that's a, a personal leadership philosophy story. So my favorite example of this one comes from a guy named uh, Mike Figliolo, and he, uh, he was a West Point grad, so he spent some time in the Army. Well, one of his first leadership experiences was being a tank platoon leader in charge of 15 soldiers who were manning these, uh, you know, army battle tanks, literally. Now, I, I don't think this particular guy ever saw any, uh, you know, live action in, in a war setting, but they did obviously go through a lot of training exercises. And one of his training exercises was with 800 tanks, 400 on each side of a 10 mile long and five mile wide training field out in California. Um, and uh, he happened to be manning the first tank that was going to go into battle into simulated battle on his side of the field with 399 other tanks behind him and by the way this it, it's a, these are real tanks but instead of using live fire of course they're using you know lasers so it's basically a game of laser tag with real tanks <laughs> anyway so he sits down with his commanding officer the night before looks at a map of the terrain comes up with a, a battle strategy and figures out where to turn and where to go to get the high ground and have the best chance of winning the the battle well the next morning this thing starts and he's in his first tank and uh, going out into battle and he gets to the first place where he's got to make a turn and he realizes he doesn't know which way to go. And, and I guess it's because, you know, looking through the little crack in the hatch of a tank that's going 30 miles an hour and getting shot at doesn't quite look the same as it does on a map in a conference room. So <laughs> he's got a choice to make, right? He can either stop the tank, turn the light on, get the map out and figure out what's the right way to go, which might take, I don't know, 30 seconds, or he can just guess. Well, Mike chose option two, and he yells out, driver, turn left, even though he had no idea if that was right. But he said it very confidently as if he knew that was the right thing to do. So the driver turns left. Well, then, you know, a few seconds later, the second tank turns left, the third tank, you know, they're following him. Well, his tank, the, the, the light goes off, which means you just got shot by a laser, you're dead. So they have to stop the tank, pop the hatch, get out, they're done for the day. Well, a few seconds later, tank number two, light goes off, they're done for the day. Tank number three behind them, same thing, you got shot by a laser, you're dead. But tank number four saw three tanks turn left and get shot. So tank number four realized that was a mistake. I'm going to turn right. And then 396 other tanks behind that one turned right. They went the correct direction, went, took the high ground, and ended up winning the battle. Now, Mike tells that story because it, it significantly influenced how he behaves as a leader. So today, he's a very decisive leader because he learned that in, in battle and probably in business as well, that sometimes it's better to make a quick decision, even if it's wrong, than to take a lot more time and make the right decision. Because while you're going through your analysis paralysis, trying to figure out the perfect decision, your opponent is not standing still. So if he had stopped and got that map out, not only would his tank be sitting there, but 399 other tanks behind him would just be sitting there, you know, like sitting ducks, literally, you know, waiting to get shot far better to make a decision because 
life, you know, or the battle or business will let you know pretty quickly if it was a, a good decision or a bad decision. And then you can monitor and adjust, right? So, and the same thing is true in business. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's better to, to go ahead and make a decision based on what you know now. So he learned that lesson and it influenced how he has been as a leader ever since. Now he's very decisive, but he's also very forgiving of people when they make a mistake as long as they learn from that mistake. So telling people that story helps them understand and expect what kind of leadership to expect from him. And then that's something that is an evergreen story, even though it happened in the past, he can use that in a variety of situations to kind of explain how he's gotten to where he's gotten. Right. And why he's making the kind of decisions he's making. Now, of course, that story won't work for you or me because that didn't happen to us. But, you know, what you'll see in the book is some penetrating questions to help you figure out what is that story for me that shaped the leader that I am today. Right. But I can also use the story if I want to make the point of I want you to err on action and I oh. want I want you to trust your team because even if you make a mistake, you trust that your team is going to iterate based on the learnings that have yes. occurred. I mean, so yes, everybody sorry. can benefit Absolutely. from the story. Absolutely. And, and most good stories have that attribute that even if it's not you in it, you can use it to teach other people and uh, some kind of a business lesson. Yes. So now, um, how if if somebody gets this book, how would you uh, recommend that they attack this? So you you want them this is you want it to be a working book, not just a read it mm -hmm. and put it on a shelf book, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So some people choose to to read it and try and tackle all ten stories themselves. Um, I'm finding that some people, some leaders, are taking the book and basically you know, getting nine more copies and handing them out to other people on their leadership team and assigning a responsibility. So like, Dave, you got the story number one, you know, Lee, you've got story number two, Stone, you got story number four, Paul, you got story number five. And then, you know, a week later, you've got to all come back having developed your story and share them with each other. And that that might be the most efficient way to do it because, you know, many hands make light work, right? Right. So and then so they're kind of um simulating one of your workshops, right? That's kind of how you do your workshops. So uh, Yeah, yeah, a little bit actually. Mm -hmm. And uh and that's a great way to introduce uh the team to your work. So this is probably good pre-work whenever you have an engagement, right? Just hand them the book and say, "Here, let's start here. Everybody read it and then let's get together." Yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that yet, but that probably is a, a good idea because I do ask everybody to come to class with a story in mind, and uh, that might be the best way to get them to think of one is is to give them the book. I've been just sending them uh, you know, a, a few examples, but uh, yeah, the book's short enough. They probably I probably could use it that way, so thanks for that suggestion. Now, for you, what's next? Uh, you're, you're really ringing out the story theme. You got any other uh, yeah. ideas uh, on the roadmap? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, and it, it might surprise you, but um, I've got another book actually coming out in November, uh, but it's not a book about storytelling at all. It's actually a biography. Uh, the, the title of the book is Four Days with Kenny Tedford, uh, and, and it, so it's a biography of a guy named Kenny Tedford, obviously. And um, he's a 65-year-old uh, guy today. He's uh, had some brain damage suffered at birth, uh, which left him with a, a learning disability. Um, and uh, deafness in both ears. He's he's partially blind in one eye. He's partially paralyzed on one side of his body. So he's kind of like a combination of Helen Keller and uh, and Forrest Gump, even though Forrest Gump's fictional. But I mean, he's got you know the 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 mental, the cognitive challenges that a Forrest Gump had that made him such a charming 
individual, but he's also got the physical limitations, uh, most of which that a Helen Keller had. And he's just an amazing human being. And uh, I, I met this guy five years ago. I just I couldn't believe it. I'd never met anybody like that before. And and he was just such a charming human being. I, you know, I thought, gosh, if that was me, I'd, I'd be pretty angry and bitter all the time. But but he's not. And I just had to know why. And so I spent, you know, most of the last four or five years interviewing him in pieces. But the bulk of our interviews took place over four days at my house. Hence the name of the book, Four Days with Kenny Tedford, because he just he walked into my house, a complete stranger and walked out having been adopted into my family with my wife and kids because we just fell in love with the guy. And, and I think that's what will happen to you, too, when, when you read the book. It's, it's, it's an amazing tale of his, uh, his amazing life. Well, uh, it sounds fascinating. And that, that was a pretty big year, two books in a year uh, cranked out. That's, yeah. Yeah, and it just, uh-huh. it just worked out that way. I mean, like I said, I started this book four or five years ago, but the, the, the Kenny Tedford book, but the, um, the, the, the 10 Stories Great Leaders Tell, I just didn't even, hadn't even thought about that until I got a phone call literally last year. So they, I started these projects at very different times. They just happened to have the same end point. <laughs> well, if somebody wants to get a hold of the book, what's the best way? Yeah, so both of them are available now on, on Amazon, um, or you can go to my website, which is leadwithastory.com. It's just the name of my first book, and I, I was never more creative than that with website names. But yeah, there you can get links to all my books and the training courses I do and some videos and other things like that. And is that good coordinates if somebody wanted to uh, get in touch with you regarding a workshop or some training or speaking opportunities? Yes, exactly. Same place. Leadwithastory.com and, and, and uh, my, all my contact information is there. Good stuff. Paul Smith, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Yeah, Lee, thanks for having me on. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio. 